Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Book Lounge. Today, we are talking about Good to Great by Jim Collins. Your hosts, as always, are myself, Corinne Ritchie. And me, Tom Butler-Bowden. And the aim with uh, both the Book Insights and the Book Lounge is we cover books that could change your life uh, in some way or just make you think. And as a Book Insights curator, I will give my take on what I think are the good points of the book um what my highlights are and why I think it's still relevant and I will also chime in on the book and give you the latest news on the title and the author um, and as if you've been watching us on YouTube or listening to us on your favorite podcast platform you know that for the past couple of years Tom and I have been hosting this uh, book insights book lounge episodes and um, most Thursdays for two years we have been chatting with amazing guests like you're going to hear from today and it's a special day because um, today is our very last live interview. Our Book Insights episodes will continue, but the Book Lounge is going to be shutting down. We'll just go forward with the Book Insights episode. So our very final guest will be today. So I hope you enjoy this last Book Lounge episode. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, as always, we always recommend that uh, two things. Be sure to check out the show notes because we have a link to a shareable savable 10-point memo about this book in the show notes. And second, we recommend be sure to listen to the Book Insights episode. That's going to be the more detailed summary, overview, and analysis of the book. But here in the Book Lounge, it's more of just an informal chat about this book of the week. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so the book of the week is good to great. Um, Jim Collins' classic from, I think it was 2001. Um, and uh, the book was a, the culmination of a five-year research program um, looking at what makes certain companies uh, sort of move out of the average or mediocre or just quite good uh, bracket to do uh, something um, remarkable. We can look at the actual, um, uh, the actual um, approach he took if we want, in terms of uh, his methodology. Um, but that is the book uh, in a nutshell. Um, yes, and we've uh, got a great guest to talk about it. That's right. To explore this topic with us, we have a guest who is an entrepreneur, an angel investor. Um, he's a company growth hacker. We are really pleased to welcome Gary Garth. Hey, guys. Thanks again for having me on and uh, an honor to uh, be your final uh, participant in, in your show. Really appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Appreciated. Thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah. So, Gary, um, tell us a bit about your background, uh, your journey, and, um, you know, what sort of led you up to um, reading Good to Great and, you know, if it's had uh, where it sort of sits in your uh, pantheon of business books. Absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm originally from Denmark, Europe, hence a little bit of the accent in case you wondered. Uh, I've been residing in, in, in the States, uh, most recently in, in Latin America, Colombia for the last decade or so. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was about 19 years old and then been on a uh, a path that's been uh, very rocky, uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of learnings and so forth. And uh, since my education is high school, I've, I've been 
very focused on reading books continuously. I try to read a book every week, every two weeks at least. Um, and during that, that course, uh, I, I stumbled across Good to Great, uh, which during my last project, my last company was a digital marketing agency I ran for about 10 years and, and sold my shares to the company back in 2020. Uh, I think that's how you guys found me. I was so inspired by the book that uh, we were selling uh, digital marketing services um, to uh, SMBs in the United States. And after reading this book, we were just in that startup growth phase. Everything was exploding. I think we were about 100 employees at that point. And myself and my co-founder both, we were reading the same books at the same time just to get inspired and you know, speak the same language and, and try to see concepts that we could apply to the business and also inspire and please with. And when we both read Good to Great, we were just like blown away. So many good learnings, uh, which prompted me to write an article, a blog post about it at that point, uh, about the references and how it could be applicable to, to, my, to my line of business at that point. So uh, safe to say it's, a, it's a, one of my favorites. Um, Right now, I'm a, an, an angel investor. I, I using some of the the capital that I, I attained from selling my last company, uh, investing into uh, uh, into startups, particularly software as a service, B two B in the tech space. That that's where that's my domain. That's where I thrive. Uh, I'm launching a couple of businesses. One is this new agency. I'm I'm sitting at these offices. Uh, I'm also launching. Uh, an accelerated platform, which is designed for, for startups, basically to launch effectively, scale, and become successful, profitable. And uh, last but not least, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a, a book that's going to be published very soon. It's called The Zero to $100 Million Sales Blueprint, where I uh, take the reader on the journey of my last 20, 25 years, and uh, everything that I recommend an entrepreneur applies uh, to their business in order to become successful. That's great. That sounds like exactly what this book is all about. It, uh, growth and, um, you know, those those best practices that really get you from, you know, just surviving to a business that's really, really thriving and successful. That's that's awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing those insights from you. Um, is there anything from good to great that really stands out for you? Any quick takeaway that you're like, oh, I read this. I put it into action. Here's the results I've seen. I would say uh, there's a lot, but unfortunately we don't have time to cover it all, at least from, from my point of view. But I think one thing that stands out the most, uh, I'll say two things maybe. One is the head charge concept. I love it. Uh, just mm -hmm. doubling down on your strengths and trying mm -hmm. to not get distracted by all these opportunities and uh, pitches and exciting ideas that people will bring to your table as you grow a company. Uh, I think that is a phenomenal concept and something that I've fallen victim to a lot of times of not focusing on, uh, which is now with my, my newest project, it's, I'm just laser focused on, on trying to do one, two things and that's all. Uh, and just try to say no, basically. That, that's the idea, try to say no and get everybody on the same page as for what's our objective and purpose here. I love that concept. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, interesting. So I wanted to know, though, um, I mean, Good to Great, it's, it covers, um, it's about um, he, he looking at big Fortune 500 companies that sort of broke away from their competitors in their industry or sector. And Jim Collins only, they looked at like 1,400 companies and only found 11 
meeting their criteria of good to great. And some of the companies, I mean, they're like uh, Gillette, Kimberly Clark, Fannie Mae, Kroger, Nucor, the steel maker, Philip Morris cigarettes, Pitney Bowes, back office equipment. I mean, these are all sort of large companies. Um, I just interested to know, like, um, you're dealing with sort of smaller ones, startups, so on, angel investor. Um, yeah. What is common amongst very big companies and very small ones and the lessons from this book? Great question. Um, well, I think as a startup, what I see as a, a typical pitfall when uh, I get I get pitched almost daily, and I'll say for every ninety nine pitches, hundred pitches, ninety nine of them are, are, are not uh, opportunities that I would invest in based on just the strategy, the, the the plan for execution, and what they're focusing on, the market research and so forth. But with a startup, you know, as as I think Jim references to that the headshot concept typically takes about four years to develop, right? It's not something you do overnight. And I think as a startup, uh, depending on how much research, uh, depending on how much experience you have, or you're standing on the shoulders of somebody who's you know already been there, done that, uh, then there is an experimental phase where some of these big companies, you know, they had they had been in business for a while, that and then they took it from good to great via the flywheel effect by uh, you know, just uh, really honing in on, on, on the strengths, right? And getting everybody on the same page. That's sometimes difficult for a startup. And I'm not by no means comparing my company either to, to any of these large reputable brands. Uh, but I think the learnings are definitely applicable. And I would say to anybody, it's a book, it's a must read if you're an entrepreneur, I would say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um... I guess it's maybe even harder for larger companies to reorient and pivot and work out really that, you know, their, what they're standing for or their hedgehog. Or if you're starting out, at least you, well, you should have a very good idea of what you're doing. Um, and Correct. I wanted, wanted to, um, I mean, uh, the, a lot of the book is about a certain kind of leadership um, and, uh, Collins tried to explode this sort of myth of the charismatic leader. Um, he says that um, the, of, of all the, the great companies that looked at, most of the CEOs were quite sort of humble types. They were very ambitious for the company, but personally quite humble and even sort of tried to stay in the shadows. And they were very good at promoting people who could replace them. Um, Whereas someone like Lee Iacocca, who ran Chrysler, he was this big charismatic guy. And then after he left, things sort of crumbled. Um, so I'm wondering what, if you have witnessed this kind of leadership uh, in your journey and, and how significant you think it is. I've, I've witnessed it uh, a, a lot of times. I, I think the classic scenario is the, is the charismatic leader, as, as you described. That's the, typically the one that can draw in people, influence them. It's not necessarily what makes the companies great, as, as you referenced to. And myself, I think I would categorize myself as that type of leader in the past. I'm continuously cautious about, you know, uh, 
not step into to, to the arena. Let let other people take the stage, give them credit, uh, make them not. In the past, I would bring a, a, a great idea, I think, right? I was very biased, right? This is an amazing idea, guys. Let's get together. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's when and so forth. Uh, instead of just bringing in the team and letting them create and own the ideas, right? Uh, not stepping out of, of, of the stage light, so to speak, uh, is something that I've I learned a lot from that, that kind of level five leadership, as you described. And that's not always possible, which I think another thing from the book that also that I'm really focused on nowadays is getting the right people on board, right? Not, yeah. not, not the what, but the who, right? Uh, especially now, for instance, right now in my, my newest project, we're about eight people only. Um, and I love one of those learnings. Like one thing that I always like for this last marketing coordinator position I was hiring for, I think we did about 25 interviews and I was getting stressed as hell. That's like, okay, we need to find somebody. I don't want to sit here and what's going on and almost becoming a little bit desperate to make the hire. And I keep thinking back on, you know, this like, okay, when in doubt, don't hire and just wait for the right. It's so important to build the right core team of people. So that's something that I've been focused on because then you can get that discipline. Then you, then you can also promote uh, leaders from within. Um, in my last projects, I've, you know, as growing, we grew the last company to 300 employees and I was hiring all these external people, bringing them in. And, you know, there's the culture conflict. Uh, there's a lot of discouragement from potential prospective leaders from within when you take that approach. So when you're trying to find these leadership types, it's people that don't necessarily, you know, they're not the, the big charismatic ones. They, they, they do great work. They're very disciplined. They're, they, they're all about the company first. Uh, and you know, that's the kind of individuals you want to build up. You want to bring them on and then you want to, you know, so I look for, I look for attributes like discipline, attitude, you know, the, the ability to learn something. They don't need to necessarily come in with experience, but do they have those kind of values so that we can build and promote from within? But with that in mind, I've seen great leaders be developed. Um, and, and also obviously in, in external companies, but I would say that's, some of the key learnings on that subject. Yeah, you know, that ties right into one of the themes from the book, as you mentioned about going through interviews and, you know, really trying to find that right person and not being willing to settle, but, you know, trying to find that perfect fit. Um, one of the themes that Jim Collins talks about is the need for brutal honesty, which I know is so difficult when you're interviewing people and, you know, even when they're gone and you're just with your team trying to figure out, okay, was this a fit, was this not? You know, um, Good to Great talks about how the brutal honesty and the high ambition are both so important uh, because if you, you know, tiptoe around, you're not going to get good results. And if you don't have that high ambition, if it's like, oh, whatever, it's fine, then you also aren't going to, you know, like you said, hit that flywheel effect where you can really go from good to great. Um, what is your relationship with brutal honesty been in the business world? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good topic. Um, mm. It's very difficult when you're a startup, right? Uh, you're, you're running a company, you're bringing on people, you're, you're sharing a vision, you're talking about the potential, people is buying into the concept of you, the, the, the product, the solution, who we're trying to help, what I'm trying to accomplish here. And there is gonna be, it's gonna be a rocky road. It's in, inevitable. And then, you know, as a, as a leader, well, I think what keeps a lot of people, entrepreneurs up at night is like, okay, what am I gonna to communicate to the team? 
What if, are they going to lose faith in me and the company? Are they going to resign? Are they going to go to a competitor if, if I reveal these things that are not less ideal? But fact of the matter, if you want to become great, you need to be honest, especially with your core team. And if this is, if this is a problem, it will get identified or will be revealed sooner or later, either by, I mean, people are not stupid. They will find out or the competition of the market. So rather attack it head on, get your team involved and say, listen, we've got a problem here. We, let's come up with top solutions, right? Um, uh, that, I think that that's what's important. And at the end of the day, uh, it gets you, it, it's counterproductive to do otherwise. Mm. And, um, Related to that, um, the brutal honesty is, I guess um, you would call it impatience. So everyone, like the online era that we're in, everyone yeah. sort of expects things to happen much quicker than they used to. The runways yeah. are shorter. You know, all the all the great companies that you look at sort of grew at like you know twenty x a year, and so whereas all the companies Jim Collins were looking at they're sort of older economy ones so where in some ways the sort of flywheel effect made more sense because the industry changes were slower and but everything do you think it's a bit the the environment we're, in, we're now is a bit different things have changed since good to great or do you think the principles are still the same the principles hold truth 100 percent it's just very unfortunate the world that we live in in the sense of this you know social media superficial get rich scheme create a course go online do this read become everybody's looking for a shortcut right but you know it's like i tell my employees like if you want to get in good shape it's not a it's not a it's not a sprint you don't go to the gym and do a 20-hour session and then you look like you know you lost 20 pounds you know it's Every day, six days a week, discipline. On the days you don't feel like it, you do it anyhow. Uh, and that applies for business or exercise or health or whatever it is in life. So I think the principles apply. And I think the reasons that a lot of companies don't succeed nowadays is that they are, they are, they are fooled by uh, the, the, the images, the, the flashy images, the the unrealistic expectations sometimes that the media portrays about what's possible in which time frame. Yeah, they seem to have, um, I think he mentioned somewhere in the book that um, he was struck talking with people in these companies that they all seem to think that things would turn out well in the end, like almost a sort of irrational belief or sense of mission. But they... Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as you say, they're, they're rigorous with all their data, they're data-driven. But one interesting thing um, I picked up on it is they were rigorous but not ruthless. Um, so they didn't believe in, like, sacking thousands of workers, um, which they thought that was sort of demotivating <coughs> and, uh, and unproductive. Um, so what do you think about that, um, Gary, this idea that... Um, companies go to there's like a there's like a line they cross where okay we need to rationalize but then it just starts to become very a big downer and uh they're shooting themselves in the foot I, i'm not sure i'm following the question entirely so I'm like 
Um, he's talking about the um, that the great companies they were rigorous but not ruthless. So um, they were they were driven by like data, but they are also really believed in their people, and um, they were basically very good places to work, very motivating. Um, mm -hmm. Where a lot of a lot of the average companies, there was just sort of a culture of fear. Um, Correct. You know. I see. For I, I think it you know really starts at the top and trickles down, right? I, I've been in many companies where there's there's that fear setting that you described. Uh, myself, uh, I'm you know very uh, very determined, very ambitious. Uh, sometimes impatient as a leader, I, I work really on myself and all those qualities at all times and try, but, but always try to like instill uh, this, this trust in, in the culture and the environment because, you know, everybody makes mistakes, right? Including everybody, everybody makes mistakes. And if you have that fear setting in the company, uh, you know, that's, that's essentially what has the consequences instead of like say, okay, you made a mistake. Let's not put the blame on you. Let's rather learn from it and see how we can benefit the company by improving and doing otherwise. Uh, and I think a lot of companies maybe don't take that approach. They are ruthless, like you said, uh, and, and, you know, cut, cut down on, on staff or departments, or employees, depending on a certain immediate attention or direction. And um, I would say the key is, is again, having, getting the right people on board uh, with full confidence, having a, a transparent environment and, and not necessarily just putting blame on, 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 on a particular given event that was, didn't turn out as, as expected. That goes a long way because it is a long journey. It's a marathon, like all these companies that were, were assessed. Uh, it's, it, it didn't happen overnight. So you need the right people on board for a period of time and also give them the, the right space and uh, have faith that they will get the job done. Yeah, and I think that ties right into that people first strategy that um, that Jim Collins talked about, where um, you know the the great companies, it's they they do value their employees. They they really uh, make sure that the people are. Uh, that's what it's all about. You can't do anything without great exceptional people, those exceptional leaders, and the people that they hire. Um, as well. Um, so I think we've talked a little bit about all of those themes. Um, what are some things that uh, you really liked about this book? What are the things that you find yourself recommending to others uh, when it comes to good to great? Well, I think we covered a lot of the concepts. Um, one thing we haven't talked that much about is the, the technology accelerator, right? Mm -hmm. uh, today, like I, I work in, in tech, software as a service, digital marketing. There's a, the, the, it's called marketing technology, the marketing space, it now involves 20,000 plus companies. There's basically an apps, to, a tool software for anything, right? Email cadences, lead nurturing, voice recording, training. You can get technology for everything. And it, many entrepreneurs and startups that I talk with when they, when I get involved in some shape or fashion is that they, okay, if we just get this technology, this, then we're gonna hack it. Again, it's a shortcut, right? But these companies that Jim Collins assessed, they use technology accelerators. They only use it when it can amplify the headshot concept, right? They carefully assess it. 
They don't look into just bringing on technology for the sake of being a new smart tool that can save a little bit of time. So only how does it serve the greater mission? So I would say, you know, once you truly understand your market, right, and your go-to-market strategy, uh, and you honed in on your target audience, and you are trying to get that that flywheel effect, the momentum going on, then look at the technology that can amplify that. That's a big takeaway for me. That's something I try to do. Right. Yeah, that is a big theme of the book and um, almost an unfashionable one uh, these days. <laughs> right. Um, so we always, uh, every episode that we've done, um, we've asked the our guests to rate the book out of five and say why and we also do it ourselves um corinne what's your overall take on good to great uh you know i i like this book i think it's one of those that um that what always stands out to me when i think of good to great uh is the level five leader like i love how he just breaks it down makes it very clear that um, you know, these are the qualities that make a level five leader, and that's going to take a company um, really far. You know, when I read this book, it, immediately I went to a friend of mine who started a nonprofit back in 2007, and she grew it exponentially. I didn't meet her till 2008, and I had no idea that she had only been running it for a year because it was already so successful. And now she's got huge sponsors, and um, she's really become an establishment here in the Bay Area, um, and has even passed it on now. So she's like. Um, sort of stepped down, given it to someone else and gone on to start a new venture. And um, and she is absolutely everything of that level five. I mean, I could just go down the list like, oh yeah, she definitely is putting everyone first. She, you know, and it just, it, it really rings true. Um, so even despite some of the changes that have happened since this book, I think, like you said, those principles are really what make this book stand out to me um, because even as technology changes, um, it still holds true. So for those reasons, I give this a four out of five bookmarks. I find this book really useful, relevant. I love like the household names of these big companies that you probably know and um, kind of getting like a behind the scenes look at how they got to where they are and some of their best practices. I think it's really useful. Um, the only reason I say four out of five is because anybody not in the business world, this book is not for them. Um, I like So typically the five out of fives for me are those that I can just hand this book to anyone. It doesn't really matter. This one, if you're not really in the corporate world, I don't think it'll be super useful. But other than that, I think it's it's really great. Um, what do you think, Gary? How would you rate this book out of five? <laughs> well, I am in the business world, and most right. folks I talk with are. So yep. uh, undoubtedly five out of five. Uh, mm -hmm. I think myself, I've, uh, I've adopted a lot of these principles, try to implement it in any company I'm involved in. I always recommend that I try to live by a lot of these principles. Uh, and you know what I like is that I read a lot of books and there's a lot of theories and, and opinions and concepts. This is pure statistical validation of, you know, these, what is it, 1400 companies I think you looked at, right? And then again, as Tom said, 11 stood out that fell into, you know, had these characters. So I, I like it when a book is, is backed up in in that sense with data and, and and validation of such. So highly recommended, five out of five. Same, the data and validation, those are my favorite kinds that we talk about on this podcast too. What do you mm -hmm. think, Tom? Um, I'll give this a four, four and a half out of five. Um, it's just one of the all time classic business books. And in many ways, 
created a whole boom in the business literature. Um, it, obviously, it what it was built to last was the earlier one he did, which was also famous. Um, but um, I just love this. I found it very inspirational. I, I would also actually recommend it for people who are not into business because I think this whole idea of going from good to great is also, Gary, I think, as you alluded to, um, you know, it's significant for personal life as well. Um, so, yeah, I love all the stories of all these companies I didn't know much about as well. Um, I haven't read it for a few years. I think it'd be interesting to go back and read it again and, and see how it stands up. Um, there'd been a fair amount of criticism of the methodology and, you know, whether he was right or not. But overall, I think, you know, it was a great contribution. Yeah, and so since its release in 2001, Good to Great has sold over 2 million copies. I mean, it's still frequently referenced as like a go-to source of knowledge for corporate success. Um, and it's definitely one that has stood the test of time. Jim Collins has written seven books, all in the same like business development field. Um, in 2017, Forbes selected Jim as one of the 100 greatest living business minds. So he got that recognition. And today he's an advisor to some of the highest paid executives in the world. So that's a little update on this book and on Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes. Um, so Gary, um, people want to learn more about you and what you do uh how will they where will they find you i think the easiest way is to go to my personal website it's garygoff.com like my name uh, i have an overview of all the projects i'm involved in uh, uh, links to the book uh, and and everything else yeah. social media as well of course Perfect. And we'll be sure to include uh, links to all of those in our show notes for sure. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank uh, you. Yes. Thank you. Um, and uh, don't forget to um, listen to the Book Insights uh, episode itself on Good to Great, which goes into more detail and is a more sort of structured um, analysis of the book. And we'll also have a 10 point memo, which um, is a sort of short summary of good to great if you've never read it before. That's right. So thank you so much again, Gary. Really appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. Likewise, thank you so much. Greatly appreciated. Thank you, Gary. And thank you all for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on all the podcast platforms. Uh, it's been great. We've had so many wonderful guests and we've learned so much from them and gotten to discuss some incredible life-changing bestsellers. Thank you all for going on this journey with us. And I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Book Lounge and all of our Book Lounge episodes. And I hope that you'll continue to listen each week for a new Book in Place episode going forward. Thanks so much again. Bye.